Fight fans, welcome back to episode 223 of the Tale of the Tape Boxing Podcast here on TheBoxingRant.com. I'm Kenny Keith, and I am joined, as always, by Vince Cummings. Welcome back, buddy. What's going on, brother? Uh, we uh, escaped by the skin of our teeth last night. Uh, the Keith Thurman fan base lives to fight another day, my friend. Um, when you use <laughs> the word we... You mean that there's other people? Me and Keith's parents. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. Yeah, Keith Thurman back in action after a 22-month layoff, squaring off against Josecito Lopez. Man, it's been a month since we've done a show. You remember how to do this, man? No. We'll, we'll figure it out, though. Okay. It's like riding a bike. Yes, sir. Um, so we got Thurman versus Lopez last night on the PBC on Fox. Uh, we'll talk a little bit about Manny Pacquiao and Adrian Broner. I know that that uh, fight is... You know, in the history books at this point, but it does have uh, seemingly some implications on future fights with Keith Thurman. Uh, we got a fight preview. Sergey Kovalev returns in a rematch against Elder Alvarez on ESPN. Teofimo Lopez, Diego Magdaleno, Oscar Valdez, and a guy named Carmine uh, Tamasoni <laughs> um, in action. Uh, news and notes, Canelo versus Danny Jacobs announced. Uh, we'll talk a little bit about Terrence Crawford and Amir Khan. And, of course, moves and counter moves <laughs> the announcement of Danny Garcia and Adrian Granados on the same night as Crawford versus Khan. Enough with that bullshit. Let's get to what really matters here, Ken. <laughs> Hold on. I'm not done yet. <laughs> we appreciate all of you tuning in to episode 223 of the Tale of the Tape Boxing Podcast. Be sure to subscribe on iTunes, Spreaker, and Google Play. Follow us on Twitter, at Vince Cummings 81 and at Kenny Keith Jr., all right, the pleasantries are out of the way, Then Now we can get to your spank fest, okay? <laughs> Just try to keep it and in And still, baby, and still. There's no paper towels down here. <laughs> um, and still. So one time, once upon a time, there was this guy named Keith Thurman. Yes. <laughs> he was a knockout artist. This was back in the, the, the dark ages of boxing in 2013. But the legend returns, Vin... Um, squaring off against Jose Cito Lopez. I got to tell you this, Ben. I understand the guy was coming off of almost a two-year layoff. But in my opinion, although Jose Cito Lopez has a respectable career to this point, right? right? This was his first title fight, as you pointed out, a couple minutes before we started to record. Right. To me, coming into this, Jose Cito Lopez was picked for this because of what Andre Berto did to him. And they thought that they could bring one time back to his knockout prowess, give him a soft touch, but little did they know that Jose Cito was hungry for his first title shot. Yeah, uh, look, I ca I'm, I cannot believe uh, the the way that Jose Cito Lopez fought that fight. I mean, look, more fucking power to him, dude. He fucking walked Thurman down the entire fight. Very surprising. I mean, you know, since the first three rounds where Keith was moving nice, had had him off balance a little bit, was picking picking his shots nicely. But you could see it was only a matter of time, and he wasn't going to be able to stay on the run. Look, Keith Thurman used his legs more than I have ever. Fuck, I mean, it was like, Jesus Christ, dude. I'll give him this. If there's one thing to take away from that fight last mm -hmm. night, Keith Thurman's got, got a gas tank. 
Well, he had two years to get in shape, man. <laughs> he fucking... He was climbing Mount Everest. Can you imagine his uh, lung capacity Clearly, that? Clearly, that stay in, 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 in Nepal worked out for him. I mean, you thought when Rocky was training in Rocky Four and he's climbing the mountains in Russia, right? That's nothing on <laughs> Keith Thurman doing that Sherpa training in the Himalayas. <laughs> climbing to the top and screaming, Spencer! <laughs> oh, dude, I, look, I'm going to tell you, everybody right now, I know everybody that, that knows me and knows the shtick that I do when it comes to Keith Thurman on Twitter. And I'll, I'll be the first one to say it. He's my boy. I'll ride or die with him till the end. You've been a fan since day one. Trust me, I know very well where he stands <laughs> right now. He's a little rusty. <laughs> He's beyond a little fucking rusty, all right? And, and I know where he stands in the upper echelon of welterweights right now. He's on the outside looking in. I don't care if he has a belt or not. It is what it is. I mean, that performance is nothing more than to say, okay, he still has the heart. He's still, you know, he could have easily went down last night, and a lot of fighters probably would have. Uh, surviving that seventh round showed me that, you know, I, I, you always hear people talking about, you know, Thurman changed as a fighter when when Jose, uh, uh, Jesus Soto Carras uh, clipped him early in, in their fight. And I, I think back to that and I go, I don't really understand that, but that's fine. I mean, he went on to brutally stop Soto Carras later on in that fight, and he then went on to beat every good welterweight that was put in front of him after that. Now, whether you say it changed him as a fighter or not, I'll say one thing. He dropped Jose Cito Lopez last night. He completely put Danny Garcia on queer street in the first round of their fight. And he dominated Garcia too. Yeah, he he made Porter do the dance a couple times in their fight. But last night was a little different. I, you know, I, I understand he dropped Lopez, but something seemed different with the way he was punching. A lot of fucking Pauli Malinagian going on. A lot of fucking patty cake punching in the middle late rounds of that fight. And there just didn't seem to be, like he seemed to be pulling back. On everything, he had that snapback effect on his punches, rather than punching through the target. If that's how he's going to fight and he's going to move like that, I, I don't know, man. I still, I still give him a hell of a chance against Pacquiao should that fight happen, because pa only because Pacquiao's forty years old. Yeah, but uh, that 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 is a rough style. To, if that if that's what you're going to move forward with, this is going to be a short. You better hope you get that Pacquiao payday. <laughs> You know, there's a segment of our listenership that may not be able to relate to the analogy that I'm going to use right now, but it's kind of like in golf, right? And you're, you know, I don't know, 50 yards out, no sand traps, no nothing in front of you, the green, the pin sitting right there. You're lined up. You know you got to hit this chip, and in your downswing, you have a fucking brain fart, and you chunk it. Right. Right? Mm -hmm. And you're like, oh, shit. Oh, shit, I'm going to chunk it. <laughs> Flub, ball goes fucking five yards. Right. Right back in the same. That was every punch that Thurman was throwing, okay? There were some times where I think Jose Cito Lopez made him feel uncomfortable enough, like you said, stalking him, where he got close enough to him, where the only way that Thurman was going to fight him off, considering that he wasn't putting anything on his punches, was to send out these flurries. He jabbed a lot. I think he had to jab a lot. I just felt like he didn't need to be in that situation at all. I mean, maybe it has to do with the layoff, but allowing a guy like Lopez that is not known for his power and a guy that's a little shaky, you know, now granted from the Birdo fight, he hasn't exactly been the most active fighter in the world either. So no. maybe the rest helped him maybe coming in at 147 pounds healthy with the right camp going after his first title gave him that hunger that he needed to come after 
a, let's be honest, a rusty and vulnerable Keith Thurman. Keith Thurman looked a little confused in there, but at the same time, he you could tell that this was a guy that has been a professional fighter for a really long time mm. because he was able to rely on his skills. It's just that I expected when Thurman outclassed him in those moments and in those exchanges, especially when he was going to the body, I just expected it to do some fucking damage. Did not. And it didn't do any damage at all. He hit Lopez solidly every round with two or three really good body shots, and Lopez didn't flinch. No, well, honestly, when I saw this matchup, we knew I knew it was coming for a fucking year. Or however long it was, I always thought that you know in my head, Josecito Lopez seems like he's a guy, a PBC fighter that's transitioning to the PBC announcing team. Yeah, I just kind of thought that this was like Robert Guerrero. Yeah, (laughs) yeah, a complete setup fight. Like he was just he was doing the deed for Al to to put Keith over one more time. Clearly, that wasn't the case because my man came. I mean, super motivated. I've never seen a Josecito Lopez walk forward. So far, I mean, there's nothing deterring him. And that goes to show you right there. I mean, whatever happened with Thurman's right hand injury and elbow surgeries and this 22-month layoff, you cannot, <laughs> you cannot punch the way he was punching in that fight and, and expect to keep a Errol Spence, shit, even a Danny Garcia or Sean Porter. A 40-year-old Manny Pacquiao. Yeah, a 40-year-old Manny Pacquiao will be a tough fucking fight. If that's what he's going to do, they have got to, got to get away from that. And and maybe that's the only way he can survive. Because, look, he does I, – I will say this, and I think people – you know, you always hear people, Thurman's wild, he flails, he misses. Okay, you're over-exaggerating slightly on – He's know. not the most accurate puncher. No, he's not. He okay. is not the most accurate puncher in the world. But there's this over-exaggeration of, like – He's just a flailing athletic fighter. That's that's ridiculous. Thurman will step back in time and counterpunch. He's a very good fighter. Whether he's the most polished fighter in the world, no, the fucking guy hardly moves his head. You know, he's backing he's backing up last night, not moving his head at all. I'm, some of them shots he's getting hit with, I'm like, dude, you didn't see that fucking coming? It's Lopez. It's not a He's not, this isn't rapid fire here. Yeah. Uh, it's like, move your goddamn head a little bit. Well, and when he's shuffling and he's skating on the outside like that, he his feet are like side to side. Yeah. You know what I mean? Not only is that a problem for your balance, but how are you supposed to sit down on anything when you're completely upright? It's not nearly as dramatic as Amir Khan, because Khan will just go stiff as a board and go straight back. Thurman's going side to side, but he's completely upright, just side to side, side to side, you know? And and I don't think that this style for Keith Thurman is going to serve him well. No. It, it, it's just not. Look, if he wants to continue on and have big fights, that's fine. I'm down for it. I don't think that Keith Thurman is overly interested in anything, okay? I think he knows how to play the part. I think he knows how to promote a fight. I think he knows how to talk. But the shtick doesn't really match what's going on in the ring anymore. No, it doesn't. You, you know what I mean? So there's a disconnect. So people get confused when they hear this guy talking and, and representing himself as if he's Mike Tyson in his prime, right? He almost lost me when he was uh, doing his chants in his dashiki gear, and he and he ends up with, Darcy, Larry, Larry, yeah. Mustang, Grease. <laughs> <laughs> he is, to me, not much different. He's... He's a step above Amir Khan. The thing that separates, for me, Amir Khan and Keith Thurman is that Thurman seems to have a little bit better chin and a better gas tank, okay? And and, and 
I just think that this is what happens when you don't fight, whether no, it's absolutely. injury or not. There's no injury in boxing outside of what happened to Adonis Stevenson that keeps you out of the ring for two years, Vin. The guy, I mean, you saw the videos of him singing whatever that song was he was singing in a different lane. This guy is a space cadet. <laughs> he is somebody that has clearly, you know, taken way too much acid and has not been able to come back from the trip yet. He's still on that trip. No. He's pocketing the money. He's going to have a couple more fights, and I would not be surprised if it if it went Pacquiao. Let's say he gets by Pacquiao, right? This uh -huh. is a good tune-up fight. He can turn it around, fight Pacquiao, uh, Pacquiao in the fall. Then, dude, he's going to fight Porter, and then he's going to fight Spence, and you'll never see your fucking boy again. You're going to be putting out an APB. You're going to be sending out Sherpas to the top of Mount Everest to make sure that he didn't just succumb to the brutal cold <laughs> and the thin air at high altitude. The now, guy's gone. Now, here's the thing. And we'll, you he's know, lost. Yeah. Well, <laughs> well, here's the thing, Ken. He may be, he may be lost. I think what, what can maybe be brought out of all of this is Maybe that entire group of guys this whole time has been slightly overrated by everybody. Uh, we've Thurman, been saying that for a long time. Thurman, Porter, Garcia, that batch of welterweights. We used to do episodes about that. Even throw Kel, you can throw Kel Brook into that mix now. Like all of them, you know, at, there was a certain point in time three, four years ago where this was welterweight was still the best division in boxing, according to everybody. That was because of Floyd and Manny. Uh, uh, yeah. Uh, even after they retired, people still would say, you know, uh, this is still the best division in boxing. You know, we've been saying for years it's kind of slightly overrated. I, I, look, all that being said, I, I can I can say this right now because we can get into the the Pacquiao Broner talk with this because watching that Pacquiao Broner fight and you were with me, we watched it together. I, I've, I'll say I've never been as disinterested in a fight as I, as that one after three or four rounds. To me, it looked like well, clearly Broner was doing nothing but trying to survive twelve rounds. Completely stunk out the fight. Didn't allow Pacquiao to even have a chance at, at finishing him or getting off, you know, flurries and, and making the fight entertaining at all. But I saw a Pacquiao that kind of looks like he's going through the motions these days. And it, it kind of seemed like a guy that it just seemed like repetitive. Like every time he came in, everything was repetitive and didn't seem as accurate as he used to be, not as quick as he used to be. He fought a Broner that threw, I don't know, 250 punches. I can't remember what the punch count was. I know he didn't land more than eight punches in a round. That was the most he ever landed in one round. Him beating that Broner and beating the Thurman that moved like he did and threw 900 punches last night, that's not an easy task for a 40-year-old man. The pace of the fight will be a lot fucking different. That's why I give Thurman a chance in that fight, and the fact that Thurman does have the ability to step back and the one time and the only times he will sit on his punches is when he does hit a little step back and sits down and throws a big right hand. But normally it's so goddamn telegraphed that people dodge it. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> I don't know, man. Like, there's many ways to slice this. Like you were saying, like, you know, last night on, on social media, joking around or whatever. Uh, I mean, I think you were serious, but it was also just a big fucking joke. Was that you were saying that, la you know, last night's Jose Cito Lopez would have beat the Broner that Pacquiao fought, right? And... While I don't necessarily disagree with that because Broner doesn't throw any punches, right? I will say this: the Pacquiao that we saw against Adrian Broner would have decimated Jose Cito Lopez last night. You think so? Uh, absolutely, absolutely. The thing that I think is being missed in in 
in the you know the Manny Pacquiao Adrian Broner fight because it was such a shitty fight and it, and you know and Broner did everything that he could to I mean, to you know Thurman Lopez was a a much more entertaining absolutely fight. absolutely I'm not arguing that at all I enjoyed watching that fight last night there's no doubt about it um, is is just that Pacquiao to me is showing things at his advanced age in the ring where he is literally outsmarting his opponents. Now, I know he's fighting the Jesse Vargases and the Adrian Broners of the world. He's fighting that, you know, eight through 10 ranked, you know, uh, fighter at the welterweight division. But again, what 40-year-old that came up through eight weight classes is still fighting at such a level and still has a gas tank? Look, Pacquiao came out a little shaky and rusty early in that fight against Broner, right? Mm -hmm. But as the fight progressed, as he built up that lather, it looked like Pacquiao got stronger and more confident. His left hand, his jab, um, you know, dude, the shots to the body against Broner. Now, while these weren't, look, he 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 took what Broner gave him. Yeah, and that's that's the thing. I don't think that Thurman had a strategy to go in and deal with the Jose Cito Lopez. I don't think he thought that was coming at him like that. Jose, and, and let's be honest. Regardless, let's not conflate Jose Cito Lopez's performance last night with the rest of his career. Oh yeah, because yeah. his career has not been what he showed last night. No. Last night was a one-off. It was a complete one-off. He caught Thurman at the right time. Thurman was unsure of himself. The fight with Thurman and Pacquiao now, if they make that this year, which I think they will, I think you think they will, yeah. right? Yeah. It is going to be so close. Thurman talks about Pacquiao being like this little guy. Sorry, man. Thurman, you're five foot fucking seven. He looks small okay? last night. And and so you're an inch taller than Pacquiao. Got a skinny old neck and a skinny little chin. I'm looking at him last night like, oh, you looking frail these days, son. Very frail. And Jose Cito Lopez talk about fucking looping and slow punches. The fact that Thurman was getting caught by a guy with such inferior hand speed. Yes. Even a 40-year-old Pacquiao was mesmerizing Broner in spots with his speed, where Broner couldn't even pull the trigger to counter on the one-twos when he came in, right? Right. I think regardless of the quality of fight, we agree that Keith Thurman Jose Cito Lopez was a much more exciting fight, but it was only exciting because Thurman wasn't ready for the fight. No, he wasn't. He was aerobically, yeah. right? But he was not mentally. Right, a guy that is clearly shaking off cobwebs from his injuries, like you said, I think it's great. Right now, I think Pacquiao will be, you know, fifty-five forty-five Pacquiao over Thurman. I was going to say Pacquiao. If those odds broke out, it'd be like Pacquiao minus one forty-five, Thurman plus one twenty. Had Thurman looked really good last night, I think it would be flipped. Oh yeah, probably. If Thurman had knocked out Lopez, you'd be yeah, you'd be getting maybe even a little bit more of a Thurman being the favorite. But here's the deal, then. I think at the end of the day, you know, we, we've always talked about, like, who's your favorite fighter? Who's your favorite fighter? I know you've always been a big Bernard Hopkins guy. Um, you know, I know, you know, some other fighters that you've been really, really big on. But, you know, for me, and I know you were a huge Manny Pacquiao fan, too. You were also a huge Floyd Mayweather fan back in the day. Mm -hmm. um, Manny Pacquiao is my favorite fighter of all time. So there's going to be a buy. So I'm watching, oh. I'm watching that fight against Broner from maybe a different angle. I'm, I'm, oh, absolutely. I'm trying to appreciate this fucking old-ass wine. You know, I'm swishing it around in my mouth. I'm sniffing the fucking glass. You know what I mean? Right. Trying to get something out of it, you know? And I'm going to ride until the end with my boy Manny, just like you're going to ride to the end with your boy Keith. Yeah, everybody, you know, I'm, I'm sure they were ready. Everybody had their tweets ready to fire off at me. Everybody's ready. They probably had them saved up in their key, you're ready to go. They're going to tear Vin down. You're right? an easy target, buddy. <laughs>
guess what? Keep them fucking saved, motherfuckers. <laughs> Coach Larry, go eat your fucking breakfast. Save that fucking tweet. Oh, uh, with that little like cat dick sausage that he's eating. <laughs> At London Box, I know he's ready to get me. All oh, you motherfuckers, save them up, boys. Yeah. It ain't time yet. No, it's not time. And yet, when but- he beats Manny, oh, you better be ready because then I, if he beats Manny. I, <laughs> Hey, you better fire up the hype train because we going all the way 100 miles an hour towards Errol Spence, motherfuckers. Hold on a second. I will kamikaze hey. this bitch hard. Hey, Team Keefe. <laughs> all right. <laughs> Pump the brakes for a second. Who did you have your money on last night in that fight? Well, I, did, I took the emotional <laughs> hedge. Emotional hedge. You know, if you lose, you win, right? no matter what. So you... You picked Jose Cito Lopez to win last night. I bet 20 bucks on Jose Cito Lopez. <laughs> I thought it was plus 16. It was plus 1,400. So 20 to win 280. Yeah, what the hell? And I took the over. I parlayed the over in, in uh, Ganatsky and, and, and Thurman Lopez. And, of course, that fucking flamed out because uh, Gerald Washington is a stiff. What happened to your boy Gerald? Dude, I'm sitting there watching that with my wife. Now, my wife has not watched much boxing. He does not like getting punched. And she was like, what? What is up with his like clean shaven boobs? <laughs> like, you want to talk about somebody who had bitch tits? Like that was so roly poly out of shape. Fighting against big old Washington, <laughs> hairy chest, big old black man, strong. No, and he, dude, he got knocked the fuck out. Uh, look, say what you want about Ganatsky. he's not anything special. Uh, he brings it. I'll give him that. But the Gerald Washington, every time I've seen him. First of all, this, when he fought Wilder, the way he went out in that fight, he completely gave up. Is look, I don't like to call fighters quitters, but Washington doesn't like to be getting hit. So why do you keep getting in the ring every time he gets touched? He's like, yeah, I'm not not too interested in getting hit anymore. Let me just get the hell out of here. I think he got hit with a side tit on one of those <laughs> ones that stunned him. A little slap with a side boob. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> uh, I don't think I've ever seen somebody like a, a dichotomy of physiques. Right. <laughs> Where if you line them up, just a tail of the tape, two guys standing there at the scales, right? And you said, pick who's going to win. Uh, 95% of people would pick Gerald Washington. <laughs> El <Give> Gallo Negro. <laughs> give, give me Butterbean's sloppy cousin. Right. <laughs> Oh man, yeah. Look, either way, I enjoyed it. Okay, I I, I enjoyed the card last night. Yeah, you know, it was fine. Um, you know, Keith Thurman's got a way to go. I look, if Thurman's smart, he gets right back in the ring against whoever. You know what I mean? Uh, Adrian Granados after after Danny Garcia's done with him. Andre Berto. Ooh, Berto. Yeah, give me Thurman Berto. And Broner. Then, and then give me Thurman versus Pacquiao in the fall. I, yeah, I think that's definitely that's the fight that happens in September, October for sure. I, you, dude, Keith ain't coming back quick. He's going to take a good five, six months off. You can guarantee that. It's going to take him that long to get back to the top of Mount Everest. It ain't just puff, puff, pass and back to the ring. It's puff, puff, pass and puff, puff, pass again, and we'll see you when we see you. Just need some therapeutic flute sessions. <laughs> Dude, you see the video the PBC put out like I don't know, it was last week or the week before, and he like goes to his old bedroom and takes the flute out and starts playing it. <laughs> this dude is such a fucking wackadoo, man. Holy shit. That's your boy. I know it's my boy. Like I said, I will ride till the end. That's dedicated. Hey, you know, that's dedication. Never zones. leave your wingman, Ken. <laughs> Top Gun's one of my favorite movies. It's etched in my brain, yeah. that statement. I'm not going to leave my wingman. So. You're Keith's goose. Yes. Is what you're saying. Absolutely. You know, goose dies. 
Yeah. I, <laughs> Thurman's gonna get Thurman's gonna get pieced out and somebody's gonna, you know, he's gonna throw the uh the Vince Cummings dog tags mm-hmm. out into the middle of the ocean. My only fan. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, Vince. There's a couple other ones out there. <laughs> they low key though. I ain't low key. Uh. <laughs> <laughs> Oh shit! All right, so that'll do it for the uh, the, uh, the post fight. Keith Thurman, Josecito Lopez, coming in a bit late with the uh, Pacquiao versus Broner, but it seems to be all tied together, and it seems to be the plans are moving ahead. All right, uh, let's get to the fight preview. Then we got the return of the Crusher taking on Elder Alvarez in a rematch of their fight. Um, Tiafima Lopez, Diego Magdaleno, and Oscar Valdez returns after I guess he's you know. He, he got the wires out of his jaw, and he's good to go now? Uh, we'll see. We'll see if Carmine has something to say about <laughs> hey, it. Hey, Carmine, <laughs> Tamasone. Hey, yo. Uh, bada boom, bada bing, <laughs> bada bing. All right, so the Crusher is back in action. Then, look, Sergey Kovalev has been one of my favorite fighters to watch, you know, over the last, you know, six, seven years, all right? I've enjoyed watching his style. I've enjoyed watching his big fights. I enjoyed going to his fight against Bernard Hopkins. Um, you know, but I, I think it's pretty clear that sort of, uh, I guess you can call it the downfall of the crusher, right? Was the psychological win that Andre Ward got over him in the, in, in their first match in a match that most people thought that Sergey Kovalev won. I think that that fucking hurt his psyche so much and then coming into the second fight that as soon as Andre Ward deployed his tactics whether you think that they are you know uh, borderline illegal slash dirty tactics or whatnot as soon as there was some kind of adversity in that second fight you saw Sergey Kovalev fold like a chair he let his mind get fucked once again by Andre Ward and then the match against Elder Alvarez a fight that I thought Kovalev was clearly winning, okay? It wasn't like he was dominating him, but he was doing enough to keep the bigger, stronger fighter off of him until he was unable to keep him off of him. And I just thought that Elder Alvarez finished the process that was started by Andre Ward in sucking the soul from the crusher. Right. Yeah, look, if you look back at watching that first fight, yeah, you know, I'll say Kovalev was probably up two rounds at the time of the stoppage. And he was winning, but you had a very uneasy feeling watching it. You knew, okay, yeah, he's kind of outboxing and winning these rounds, but uh, he's having a hard time holding this big dude off. I, one thing that you have to take away from that fight is Elder Alvarez is a large, light heavyweight. He's a big dude. He made Kovalev look small. He's just he's bigger, stronger, and <clears throat> he may not be as athletic on his feet with the boxing movements, but I think. As far as a snap on a quick punch, he's right there with Kovalev. And physically, he reminds you of some of the really tough, hard-punching cruiserweights of the last couple years. Yeah, I mean, he's got to be weighing 190, 90-plus pounds in the ring. Couldn't Elder Alvarez compete at cruiserweight? I'm sure he could, yes. He would do very well against some of those guys, absolutely. It just, to me, you know, I, I really... I don't. This fight is not good for Kovalev. To me, Alvarez is all wrong for him, and I think there's a reason why Alvarez has been avoided by the likes of Adonis Stevenson and a lot of big uh, of, of the bigger light heavyweight contenders uh, in the last three or four years. Nobody wants to fight the dude because he's a, he's a handful and a half. All wrong for us. Yeah, yeah. Uh, it's just look. 
We we Kovalev's apparently already been in action, Ken. He's already <laughs> landed a blow. Apparently. Allegedly. Allegedly. Who, who knows? I mean, we'll see what comes of that. Are you apologizing for him because of his skin tone? Thing? Yes, uh, yes, Ken. I, I, I'm apologizing for him. You know me. I, I like to apologize for Russians. <laughs> I'm a big Russian guy, you know. <laughs> big Trump supporter. I don't, I don't believe anything about that investigation. You know, all those guys are wrong, Ken. Mueller, all them guys, all right? Then I accuse you of collusion. <laughs> right. Give me a fucking break. All right, the guy's a piece of shit, period. If you hit a woman, he hit a woman, he's a piece of shit. We'll see what happens, you know. But that's got to be a serious fucking distraction coming into this fight. And I'm not sure he's the most mentally focused fighter to begin with. Uh, he's with Buddy McGirt now. You know, I, I don't understand how a black trainer will work with him after some of the – it's like, what the f- – is a paycheck? Like, you'll just put it aside for that? Like, clearly Kovalev has – Aired on the side of slightly racist. I don't think Buddy McGirt has any horses in the stable. Then. No, he doesn't. I'm sure a paycheck. This paycheck will be nice, and he probably needs it. But to me, it's Kovalev's been in, in control of his own career over the last, you know, three years or so. He just he never made it. I don't think he got the recognition and money that he feels he deserved when he was at his peak. Uh, there really wasn't a challenge for him. Finally, he got, got, gets the Andre Ward fight, gets completely screwed in the first fight. I mean, clearly, clearly won. You talk about, I mean, he won just as clear, if not clearer, than Kovalev beat, uh, or than uh, uh, Golovkin beat Canelo in the first fight. Okay? I agree. They, 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 those fights kind of paralleled each other very, very much as far as that goes. You know, and that broke him down. I mean, literally broke him down as a fighter. Has not been the same. I do not expect to see any outcome other than him losing this fight again. I don't know about you. What's your prediction? I, I think Alvarez stops him again. I eight, do too. Eight, ten, eight to ten, somewhere in that range. I just don't think the guy's got the. He does. You could look at. You could just look at Kovalev and see, the dude has led a hard life. He's got that Ben Roethlisberger look. He's got that <laughs> hitting women and he's shit. got that. I'm into drinking like you know a fifth of vodka on the weekends, maybe on Saturday and Sunday night, a fifth on both. Like, he just looks like that kind of dude, He's man. the dude that has to take a couple shots before the fight against <laughs> Elder Alvarez just to take the edge off. And I am not judging because, quite frankly, I will do the same thing at times. <laughs> but I'm also not getting in the ring fighting for the light heavyweight championship. No. So, you know, I, it just... Your days at light heavyweight are long behind oh, you, shit, buddy. That was... 2002 was the last time I made light heavyweight. Yeah. Damn, I was a monster, though, Ken. <laughs> Fucking shredded. 6'2", 175. Shredded. <laughs> oh, fuck anybody up. You were the Dude, you actually, you know what? Now that I think about it, I always wondered why there was some kind of, like when I watched Arthur Baturbia fight, I was like, why does this guy look so fucking familiar to me? You know why? Because it's fucking Vince Cumming, a, a.k.a. Zangief. Right. You know what I mean? Yeah, that was a short-lived period, but, man, was that fun. Yeah, yeah good <laughs> stuff. Um, look, my prediction for this fight, man, I think that Sergey Kovalev has a puncher's chance. Okay, He does. Uh, Elder Alvarez has a dome. He's tough. He's sturdy. I, I know this. Look, Kovalev has got to think at this point, unless he is just so deluded he can't look past the fact that he thinks that he can just go in there and beat Kovalev and win this fight. No, yeah. he is going to have to go for it. And if he goes for it, I give him a good chance. It's a 50-50 fight if he goes for it. 
I think Elder Alvarez will catch him, and it's not going to take much because, as we've seen over the last couple of years, once the crusher gets discouraged, yeah, dude, he packs up his ball and goes home. He does. That's his. That's been his biggest problem, and you know, kind of hurt the crusher moniker to a certain extent with the way he's kind of. I'm not going to say he folds like you know he's, he doesn't fold like a lawn chair. No, no, but no. adversity and 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 Sergey Kovalev do not mix well. No. No, um, but here's the thing, though, man. As we move past, you know, Kovalev, Alvarez, this is the headliner for this, right? Kovalev's the star of the show. There's mm-hmm. no doubt about it. Um, he is the headliner. But this card, with the type of fighters that are on it. It's a great card. You're telling me Teofimo Lopez, one of the most action-packed, the, the, the prospect of the year in action against Diego Magdaleno and the return of one of the most exciting action fighters of the last four or five years in Oscar Valdez. I think it's going to be action packed from from tape to tape, man. I I I really do. It's going to be one Ka- of the best early cards of the year we've seen in a long time. You got time. Richard Kami in a title fight before all that too, so you you got a a really nice card full of a lot of really good fighters. And let's be honest, I mean, you know, you you can put uh, Teofimo Lopez as high on the mountain of prospect or contender or wherever you want to put him, and and I'm with everybody. I'm about as high as anybody can be on him. Diego Magladeno is a big huge step up in competition this is a polished professional fighter whether he's the lesser of the magdalenos or not dude knows how to fight um if teofimo lopez steps in the ring and just completely trashes magdaleno watch out watch out because this fucking hype you ain't stopping this hype train and and the way that the the lopez camp is as vocal as they are about wanting to get to where they think they should be already now uh, I don't think there's going to be much holding this kid back from big fights. Uh, you know, they may be able to hold him back for 2019, but 2020, they're not. This kid's going to be in big fights in a year. Yeah, and I think that if, you know, if he is true in what he says, and I'm sure that he envisions himself at some point in the distant future facing an old Vasily Lomachenko and being put over, right? Oh, yeah, yeah. I yeah. think that that is what his team is is hoping for, you know, two or three years from now. Mm-hmm. I'm not so sure that Lomachenko will be at that point in his career in two or three years. But here's the thing. He's going to have to look really good against Diego Magdaleno oh, yeah. if he yeah. wants to continue to entertain aspirations of facing the best fighter in the world. Because truth be told, there, and I think this is where your reluctance comes in with him, like a little bit more, you know, I need some more proof in my pudding, Yeah, um, is because of what we saw with Felix Verdejo, because there are similarities. Even though Tiafimo Lopez is much more physical, and he is, I think he's equally as explosive. He's, he's a different fighter than Verdejo, but he's entered that echelon of hype and excitement. Mm-hmm. And let's remember that Verdejo, the things that he did and delivered against the levels of con- competition, let's say just a notch below the likes of Diego Magdaleno. If this is a step-up fight for Tiafimo Lopez, if he wants to be in the arenas with the fighters of 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 calibers of Gervonta Davis and Vasily Lomachenko and Mikey Garcia and guys like in and around those weight classes that Teofimo Lopez will probably venture through throughout his career. Pound-for-pound talent fighters. Yes. He needs to do what he is supposed to do. I don't want to see a step back. I don't want to see an off night. If you are the killer that everybody thinks you are, remember Golovkin on his rise. Mm -hmm. His rise, it was straight-up Cobra Kai. No mercy. Yeah. That's what I want to see from this kid because he has that Golovkin-esque sort of 
just steamroller dominant fighter appeal mm-hmm. that could catapult him into the same superstardom echelon as the likes of you know the great bangers of of today and yesterday. Yeah, I, I will say this: lucky for him in the Felix Verdejo comparison. He doesn't have an island that he can return to that worships him as a god. That's true. So he's got that going for him. That will complicate things. <laughs> Felix Verdejo will go home, and I mean, I can't imagine the amounts of vagine that was flying at this man left and right. Yeah. I'm sorry. That'll, it's rose petals and the royal penis is clean. Right. That'll, that'll derail a man's career real <laughs> fast, all right, especially when you're in your early 20s. Sorry. You, ain't, you ready to go yeah. all the time. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> so, you know. I, I I don't see those same parallels coming into play because to me, I notice a way more a, a way different kind of approach to the sport with the way Lopez uh, uh, attacks the sport head on. He he seems to have no fucking fear of anybody. I, you know, I think if you told him he was getting Lomachenko tomorrow, he'd be ready. Tomorrow he wouldn't need. A, this is he's just a guy that is. He's just focused on what he is in the sport and where he's going to go and where he sees his career in, you know, a handful of years. I cannot see that happening. But again, he could catch a punch this weekend and everybody could go, hmm. Oh shit. Well, <laughs> so let's uh yeah, we'll we'll take a couple more uh fights. We'll you know, let's take some gatekeepers here for a little while. That could easily, easily happen. I'm not saying that this kid's the fucking Teflon down, but I just don't see it. Um, Tiafimo Lopez, Diego Magdaleno, you predicting a stoppage here by Lopez? Yeah, I'm, I don't think it goes past four rounds. Okay. Oscar Valdez returns against Carmine. Carmine. <laughs> Carmine. Yeah, let's put Carmine in there with him and see what happens. <laughs> um, look, this is a, a get-back fight. You know, yeah. Oscar Valdez, you know, trying to get back. Look, I love Oscar Valdez. He was, you know, been one of, you know, my favorite young fighters. We've covered his entire professional career, um, and it's been an exciting one. I think that Oscar Valdez at this point, you know, after getting his jaw, you know, busted into pieces and having that thing wired shut for months and having to just eat jello and sip through straws, I think that that's enough to humble somebody who's attacking style, which we all thought that it's like, yeah, I know he's got to have another speed. You know, he can dial it back a little <laughs> bit. He, he's he's running the risk of if he keeps up the style of fight that he's been putting on throughout his career, that's fine against guys that don't stand a chance. But, geez, if you want to come in with your fucking hair on fire against the best fighters in the world, even if it's just a tough guy like Scott Quigg, who's not considered the be- one of the best fighters yeah, in the world. Think about what Quigg and Cervania did to him. Yeah. He took way too much punishment. But he's right there for it. I know. I mean, look, he better... Uh, reevaluate. I think now he's training with Canelo's. Uh, yeah, he's with the Reynosos. Yeah, so so maybe they're going to teach him some patience. Yes, I think clearly that's why he made that move. They they had to find a trainer that was, uh, it had to break some bad habits. I mean, you can fight like that as a young fighter coming up through the ranks against guys that are just journeyman fighters as you build your career and you kind of build your mystique. But once you get into the top twenty of any weight class and you're fighting guys that have been in against the best, styles like that ain't going to get you. You ain't fucking Roberto Duran, dude. <laughs> no, there's no Manos de Piedra no. there, my friend. No. So, and that was clear with kind of as you saw him come up and he continued with the style, you go, man, he's landing these fucking shots that look big, huge. He's throwing everything he's got. 
he's not really hurting anybody. No. If you can't hurt people and you want to fight in that style, it's not going to work out for you in the long run. You're going to end up getting slept. Hopefully the Reynosos fix that. I think they will, but I think it's a process. I don't I don't expect to see a completely different Oscar Valdez on Saturday night. And and you know, there's there's a lot of big fights that can be made with him. I know Frampton wants to fight one more time and he really wants to fight Valdez. That would be a great fight. I would love to see Frampton get a shot against a, you know, a top-notch fighter, get a good payday. I'd love to see Valdez get a shot against a guy that is, you know, on the downside of his career, obviously. But don't you think that that fight would look similar to Avalos? It would be, yeah. But, you know, I think Frampton's... I think Avalos had not as much stardom behind him, but I think he was kind of revered as being as dangerous as Oscar Valdez is. Yeah, but that Frampton ain't, that Frampton that fought Avalos ain't walking through that door anymore. <laughs> I don't think so. Anyway, that's not what it looked like against uh, War- Warrington? Warrington. 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 Okay. Yes. Warrington. <laughs> the Welsh Mayweather. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I, I, look, I just want to see the kid look good and hopefully he doesn't get clipped on the jaw. I mean, that's the type of injury that you know, you, something happens again, what you're pretty much done in the sport. What are you going to do? Yeah, I think he's <laughs> – dude, he's ran himself through the uh, meat grinder a little too early, a little yeah. too fast. It's like if, the, if there's a, a, a phrase that is befitting that you uh, – you know, to, to Oscar Valdez where he's at in his career right now, it is this. Pump the brakes, bud. Yeah. Let's pump the brakes. Easy. <laughs> Easy. Ease it up a little bit. Ease it up. We don't run out of fuel. Before we get to the finish line. It's going to end up like Juan Baby Bull Diaz uh, real quick. God, what a great comparison. <laughs> Seriously. Um, all right. So uh, speaking of Oscar Valdez, the Reynosos, um, the Reynosos cash cow, Canelo Alvarez um, has just announced his next fight as we transition into the news and notes portion of the show. As we close out episode 223 of the Tale of the Tape Boxing Podcast, Canelo has gone from back-to-back fights with Triple G right back into the fire of him. Um, Danny Jacobs will be his opponent on May 4th from the T-Mobile Arena in Las Vegas, Nevada. I got to tell you what, man. Kudos to Canelo. Um, I'm, uh, you know, I'm glad that he's taken on a tough, big fighter like Danny Jacobs, but I don't think it really matters anymore. And, and this is like, I don't mean to jump the shark, but I don't know what makes me so disinterested in Canelo. I think it's just this gigantic, like sort of impenetrable, you know, just, just tsunami that just sucks up everything around it. You know what I mean? I don't think there's any way Danny Jacobs can win this fight. And I think that that sucks, right? Because Danny Jacobs, if this were an even playing field, which I think the A side requirements that Canelo had, you know, the, you know, the weigh-in thing is to prevent uh, Danny Jacobs from just, you know, ballooning and going in there, um, you know, at 200 pounds against a guy that's, you know, only about five foot eight. Um, Danny Jacobs is the IBF champ himself, too. So. Well, you know, and the irony of it is, is that he completely disregarded fighting for the <laughs> IBF title against Golovkin. Yeah, and then they, they quickly, quickly let him hey, come on, come fight for our belt. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, but the thing is, man, is I think it's true. You know, I read the uh, the Daily Bread, you know, the the bread man, Stephen Edwards, you know, replying to somebody that wrote in about this. Like, do you think Danny Jacobs stands a chance? And he pretty much just said it, you know, I think it makes perfect sense. No, I mean, he's going to have to win eight clean rounds. And it's not that 
you know, it's tough to win clean rounds against Canelo. It is, and it's not that you know, it's it's like you know, the judges are sitting there with like pre-filled out scorecards. That's not it. But we've seen it all the way dating back to the Austin Trout fight, to the Erzlandi Lauder fights, both Golovkin fights. That if there's a close round, he is going to get the nod. So Danny Jacobs is going to have to go in here to dominate to win. Okay. I've been rambling on that for a minute. Those are the things that just completely frustrate me about this entire thing. Here's why I'm interested in this fight. Not because of what comes after, not because of, oh, my God, what a great matchup. Danny Jacobs stands a chance. No. (laughs) I'm actually interested in this fight because my prediction for this fight, then I hate to give it out so early, and it's not going to change. Canelo is going to piece him. You are going to see an electric counterpunch knockout in this fight. Canelo Alvarez is going to stop Danny Jacobs, and I think that the Reynosos and Canelo know that this is the perfect opponent. As dangerous as he might be, Danny Jacobs ain't doing no damage to Canelo's beard. Sorry. Well, yeah, I think after getting through two fights with Triple G and taking a couple of a handful of his biggest shots in those two fights, I mean, I don't think there's any reason for them to fear getting getting clipped by Danny Jacobs in this fight. To me, there is a difference here, and I, I'm not going to say that Danny Jacobs has the wrong kind of style for Canelo, but it's the size and length and athleticism to where Canelo's, I mean, you know, with Triple G, did, did he have some of those disadvantages? Yeah, but not as big, not as not as hard to overcome. But the, the length and reach and, and athletic speed and, and, and jab, I, I just say jab and, and, and side-to-side movement that Jacobs can employ is going to give Canelo trouble. I'm kind of torn on this fight, man. I really, I really am. Now I I can completely understand where you're coming from because Canelo is the type of fighter that can time a guy that gets rhythmic with his movement and his jab. And and Jacobs can do that. Jacobs takes a lot of risks. He does. He does. And, And one clean shot from Canelo will put Jacobs down. I don't doubt that for a second. I'm just, I'm, I don't know, man, the way, I'll say this. I underestimated Jacobs before against Golovkin. I'm not going to underestimate him coming into this fight against Canelo, especially considering, you know, if you want to do the go through the six degrees of separation type shit, you know, as good as as Jacobs looked against Golovkin and and as good as uh, Canelo looked against Golovkin, I'd say they, that after putting those two fights together and kind of and, and, and absorbing both of them, it's hard for me to say that Danny Jacobs is going to get worked by Canelo. I think this is a, a close fight, but like you said when you were talking about it, when you, started talk, when you started talking about this fight, Canelo Alvarez is the engine that drives the sport of boxing. Don't, don't ever forget that. And you're, will he get advantages? Absolutely he will. He, as long as you are in the position that he's in, you know, there's a constant argument you hear some people, you know, is it Anthony Joshua? Is it Canelo Alvarez? It's not even close, people. It's literally not even fucking close. Canelo Alvarez is the engine that drives the sport of boxing internationally right now. Anthony Joshua has Joshua has not, you know, invaded the shores of America. He's not as internationally, nearly as internationally known as Canelo Alvarez is. They love him in Abu Dhabi. <laughs> right. <laughs> Jesus Christ. Is that, is that where he lives? Did you see that video of him hanging out with those chimpanzees and, and dresses? <laughs> Driving on a golf cart. Did you see that? Yeah.
How fucked up was that? I have never seen something so fucking ridiculous <laughs> in my life, dude. Oh, yeah. No, he is. Uh, you know, Canelo is the, uh, you know, the guy that's driving things right now. Um, this is going to be a huge event. I, I think it's great that, you know, people are going to be able to see it, um, you know, with, well, in your case anyways. I hate to just call you out like this. But um, using your, like, ninth different email address for <laughs> another 30-day free trial on DAZN. Hey, I mean, either figure it out, folks, or you're going to get played. I'm sorry. <laughs> and uh, look, when I say these, I want to make something cl very clear here. When I say that stuff about Canelo being the engine that drives the sport and he will get the advantages, I'm not sitting here, like, gladly saying that. And it's bullshit. It's complete bullshit that he does. But it would also be complete bullshit to not act like that hasn't been the sport of boxing since its birth. No, there's no doubt I, about it. I mean, it. that's just how it is. You can grow to accept it or you can gripe and bitch about it. And I'll, st I'll always gripe and bitch about it. I always do. But it's it's not going to change the fact that it is a fact. Yes, <laughs> it is a fact. Um, and look, when I pick, you know, Canelo to stop Danny Jacobs, I don't mean it's going to be like a, you know, fucking 20-second rush, boom, and the fight's over. Right. Okay, I, I mean, I completely got way ahead of myself there, right? The, I think it's going to be a competitive fight. I think that Danny Jacobs is good enough. He's going to challenge Canelo Alvarez. Canelo's in competitive fights in almost every big fight against a big fighter he's been in with. Yes. It's competitive. I just think that Danny Jacobs, right, I heard he's getting paid almost $15 million for this fight. Holy shit. $15 million. <sighs> Damn, that Canelo money is good. But here's the thing. I think Canelo knows. I think they're willing to pay, right? to make this fight happen. We don't want to see Canelo versus the, you know, the next, what, fucking is no. Paul, Paul Smith going to fight next? The zone needed this fight. Yes. So whatever money it took, but I think that Canelo came into this thing knowing that there's something about Jacobs. Look, Jacobs is taller. Jacobs is longer, right? He's got a decent jab. I have never been somebody that has looked at Danny Jacobs and thought of him as a fighter that utilizes his advantages. The only time I've ever seen him utilize his physical advantages in a fight was when he came in as a cruiserweight against <laughs> Gennady Golovkin. That's it. Right. That's the only time I've been like, oh, wow, this guy is has dominated features in this fight. No. I mean, dude, look at the Peter Quillen fight. You know, Peter Quillen was a total fucking smoke, uh, just, just aberration, right? right? It's just a, 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 a poof of magic. Like, what? Did that guy really exist? Was there a guy that called himself Kid Chocolate the Second that fought in this sport? I mean, look. The that battle was a, for Brooklyn, Ken. Yeah, the battle for Brooklyn. That <laughs> ended so embarrassingly, you know, embarrassingly for a guy that was just so unbelievably overrated, right? That was a great moment for Danny Jacobs. He needed that. He wasn't fighting often enough, right? Right. He was being criticized for not getting that big fight. He was being criticized for not being bigger in his own hometown. Peter Quillen tried to make it the Battle of Brooklyn, even though I saw like the montage leading up to the fight. He's in Miami going around <laughs> yeah. saying, you know who I am? I'm famous. You know who I am? And that shit was so funny. One security guard goes, oh, oh, you the heavyweight champ, right? <laughs> <laughs> You know, look, but so, look, I think Danny Jacobs, you know, since his comeback from, you know, from beating cancer has taken a very sort of cautious, you know, uh, you know, come along. He's, he, he, he was being brought along cautiously. They put him in with guys that he didn't really stand a chance of getting hurt against. And then he finally took the big fight, right? He took the big fight against Gennady Golovkin and got paid and he acquitted himself well. 
This fight, to me, I just think his style. Sometimes Danny Jacobs, he'll try to box, he'll try to box, but he finds himself in these exchanges where he gets really short-armed and he gets a little too close to the opponent. Mm -hmm. And I think when he takes his chances, it won't happen right away, but Canelo's going to time it, time it, time it, time it. And I just think that Jacobs, because he does get sloppy when he gets inside, sometimes that happens to big guys, right? Yeah. Well, and we'll find out quick in that fight. I mean, did Danny Jacobs come to win this fight or did he come to get paid? You know what I mean? It, it, this this is the type of fights that look if he's gonna if he's gonna play it safe and just want to survive, which a lot of guys do. And when it comes to this, you know, you reach the uh, point where you can get a big payday. You don't want to lose that spot, so you, you make it competitive. You survive the twelve rounds. You walk out with a fifteen million dollar paycheck, Ken. And a chance at a rematch. Exactly. You get knocked the fuck out, no rematch. Yeah, <laughs> and look, you know, depending on where, where Golovkin ends up, if he ends up on his I mean, there's a lot of opportunities and a lot of possibilities for Danny Jacobs down the road to make a lot more money. Well, just like I think there's a lot of time and uh, a lot of weeks of boxing ahead in 2019 for the tail of the tape to be able to do fucking back-to-back podcasts. What do you think, man? I think we can, I think we can get it. I think so. I don't know, man. We are like truly part-timers at this point, aren't we? <laughs> yes. It's all right. Fucking love what you get. Yes. You know what I mean? Take it. It's in scarcity, supply and demand. <laughs> right. We appreciate all of you tuning in to episode 223 of the Tale of the Tape Boxing Podcast here on theboxingrant.com. I'm Kenny Keith. You can follow me on Twitter at Kenny Keith Jr. Follow my co-host Vince Cummings at Vince Cummings. 81. We'll be back next week with episode 224 of the Taylor Tape as we bring in a post fight from Sergey Kovalev versus Elder Alvarez in a preview. The return of the tank, Gervonta Davis. I know that's one of your favorites, Finn. Somebody better call Floyd's daughter. <laughs> oh. Hit him old school, Cam. That's a good singer. <laughs> you just faded him up with some smoke. <laughs> we'll see you next time. Thanks for listening to the Tale of the Tape Boxing Podcast on theboxingrant.com. Muchas gracias, everybody. <laughs>